Good afternoon, good evening, good night, good zinta, good yacht. It is Mike Hofeld, the Fish K King, the schmuck, whatever you want to call me. I am back again. Today I have a special guest, special topic. I have Max Gilson from the Noise Media. Max is the brain uh, who is big into sports analytics and sports betting. Max, how are things going today? Going well, Mike. Thank you for having me. So I, I'm, I'm glad you could be here. Uh, Max and I know each other through uh, a very close friend of mine. He's related to him. And uh, we've been talking a lot about a bunch of different stuff. And uh, one of the things that I've been getting into lately is sports cards. Extremely hot. And uh, Max and I started talking. And he had some great questions from a new person's perspective. And we figured, why the hell not record it? So is, is that about right, Max? Yeah, I think I think that's right on the nose. So anyway, like, again, I don't want to make this, you know, we're not formal here. We do whatever the hell we want to do. So um, what are you, I mean, what's the word, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, from about sports cars from where you're coming from? What are you hearing? I'm, I'm hearing that it's a, it's a growing industry and I'm hearing that, um, you know, this past quarantine has been, uh, has been some of the biggest, some of the biggest times to be in the sports card business. Yeah. So, I mean, like that's that's, you know, there's like a chicken and the egg thing that people talk about, which is like some people claim that it was bound to happen and the quarantine was the match to the gasoline or others are saying, you know, it kind of was the, you know, the turbo fuel. But, yeah, I mean, it's gone absolutely ballistic in the last eight months and, uh, you know, prices are out of control. Um, There are tons of new business coming online just a couple of days ago. PSA, which is a grading company, which we'll talk about a little bit, was purchased by, uh, it was a public company, purchased by Nat Turner, a group by Nat Turner for $700 million. So the amount of money getting thrown into sports cards is crazy. Like Gary V, uh, who's a big social media influencer, has been pushing this. Uh, There's so much going on. Uh, Did you ever collect cards as a kid or um, are you new to this? Well, yeah, when I when I was a kid, I, I used to collect a lot of baseball cards, but I, I never really knew what cards to get. I didn't know what to look for, you know, so I, I was just collecting cards of, of whatever players I could get my hands on. Now, did you have like favorite players or was it just kind of like the, you know, you you like the opening of the pack aspect and the surprise? Yeah, it was it was definitely definitely the packs and but uh, I was I, I grew up you know a Yankee fan so I would always look to get like the full set of Yankees from from whatever year but other other than that you know it was really about opening the packs up and and kind of being excited to see who I get. Yeah, that's my favorite. I mean, it's that's like you and I talked about it a little bit before. It's like that's what hooked me back into this is the ability to open a pack. Uh, that just the sound of it is pure joy that 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 rip that tear and then you know the sweat of each card oh man i love it i love it i mean it's 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 again it's 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 better than any drug i ever tried i don't know why um it's 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 a pure pure gamble uh the unfortunate thing is you collected baseball cards which is the same thing i did mostly when i was a kid and you know i'm not sure if you know this now but basketball runs the hobby um and and I, so there's some uh, some terms that I hate, right? People call it the hobby, right? It sounds so pretentious, and I just did it, and I hate it. Um, and the other thing that people do is when they talk about cards, they talk they call it a product, you know, like instead of tops or Fleer, or this this is a good product. It's like we're not selling cocaine. Um, you know, again, so although it is, I, it is better than any of those drugs, right? Yes, exactly. Well, so, you know, again, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little screwy on that side. So they, and maybe, maybe they're right, but there are all these, these terms again, that you're new to it. So people use terms like PC, that's not politically correct. That's personal collection. So like, let's say if you you would buy cards to invest, but then there will be others that you would put in your own personal collection. So, um, so do you have any questions off like, you know, top of your head or like, you know, what, what, where do you think is, there, I mean, I got tons of places that I can go with this, but is there anything that you've been hearing or thinking about that you have questions about? I think, I think a, a, a great start is like, if you're just unfamiliar with like, you know, I feel like everybody that wants to know about cards at least knows tops, but you know, when you're looking at other sports, um, there might be other brands that are what you're looking for. And then I guess the, the other question is like, you know, you, you, you want to get into cards, you want to either make money, or you want to collect the best stuff for yourself. You know, what types of cards 
do you want? Like, you know, are you looking for prism or panini? Like, what what is the difference between those terms? Okay, I mean, that's that's a great question. And I think that education is a big part of this, which is learning. You know, one of the biggest mistakes somebody can do is say, I want to be in it and just start buying Um, and and hearing buzzwords like so panini is the equivalent of tops. The two real makers of cards are panini and tops and panini has an exclusive on basketball. So tops doesn't even make basketball. So pretty much all basketball cards are made by Panini. Tops makes, um, they definitely make, uh, what you call it, they make baseball. I think they might even have an exclusive on baseball. I don't even think they make football anymore. Um, so, and then Panini has a million brands uh, that'll come out underneath it. Like Panini bought Upper Deck, uh, Fleer, um, they own Prism, the, another one, uh, Mosaic is a big one. Uh, they have like but they'll produce a new product every week so like for football prism just came out for football that's a big deal right prism is kind of the biggest uh name in all of sport cards right now um for the most part like um you know when people talk about like a luka Doncic rookie they're usually talking about the prism psa 10 which means prism by panini and then PSA 10 is a grading company um, that gave it the best possible grade. So it is a little, I don't want to say complicated. So when you, you know, you ask of where you want to go and what you want to do, let's, how about this? Um, I do think it's important for people to decide, are you in this to invest or are you in this to collect? And if you're in it to make money, you should think about short term or long term. So, um, are you considering investing, collecting, or are you just kind of accumulating knowledge? I think definitely accumulate, accumulating knowledge would be the first step, but probably, um, you know, a, a, as a sports better, I, I see a lot of it as investing. So I, I, I'd be, you know, I'd be interested in, in probably making a portfolio of sorts so we can have both long-term and short-term um, involved in that. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that's a good strategy. I think, you know, short-term is, is, I don't want to, it's harder to nail because a lot of it is about emotion and immediate reaction, meaning, okay, Joe, Joe Burrow blows out his MCL, ACL, his cards get cut in half or something like that. So, you know, that's the, so there's, you know, I kind of look at it in three different levels, which is ultra modern, which I would consider the last three years of cards um, when things really kind of picked up between, let's say 2000 ish and 2016 and then pre-2000 um and you can also look at you know you can look at players in the idea of hey there are players who are at the beginning of their career players who've had a career and players who are done so like for example you, you got a uh a, a beginning of their career is luca middle you know middle of their career you could, you could say Kawhi or a giannis and then you know somebody who's done like a tim duncan a um, a Shaq, uh, Julius Irving, again, to use basketball parlance. And I think, you know, each has inherent risk and also upside. So you would, you, I think you'd understand that, like, there's a lot less risk in a Shaquille O'Neal card than there is in a Trey Young card. Right. Now, nothing's going to happen to them in retirement. Right. right. I mean, the, you know, there's always the odd, hey, domestic dispute, um, drunk driving, you know, that, that it's not like they can't do any wrong, but um, the likelihood, you know, until they're dead, right? Which, you know, we're not wishing upon anybody, but that's a the next level. Um, so, okay, so tell me a player from your sports analytics for any, any, uh, any, any different sport. Let's, let's, let's limit it to baseball, uh, football, or basketball. And tell me, here's a player I think is underappreciated. I think there's definitely there's definitely a lot of players from from an analytical standpoint that you know they could be expected to have big years. Um, I, I guess a, a question I would I would start with would be if you if you stick in baseball, you know Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich, you know, is an MVP, but has a really bad year, down year. Brewers don't make the playoffs. How how much is that affecting his price? Well, you know, I'm going to have to look that one up because the real answer is I don't like baseball. So I don't want to act like I do, but I'm going to look into it because I know you're more of a. So th- so let's talk about tools for a second. So um, how would somebody 
who wanted to find the answer to that question go about it? Well, I use there, you know, there are a couple free tools. Um, there's a company called Card Ladder, which uh, has a free version and a uh, and a pay version, where basically they track different cards over time for players. So you can see the, you know, the, the almost looking like a, a stock. Now, they don't track every card and it's not perfect. So, it, but it gives you a good perspective. And the free version only gives you, say, three months. Um, but let's look at a, you know, his tops update uh, PSA 10. So, again, PSA 10 is the best. We'll get into grading, but that's a graded version. Um, and what I'm looking at is I only have a few months, uh, but it, you know, it basically has gone from $192 to about $143 right now. So you're talking about a 25, 25% decrease since the end of the season. So, uh, you know, that may not give you as much information as you need. So you'd have to right. pay to go in to say, go backwards. But the, you know, there are two things that you look at. There is that um, there are a lot of people that will go on YouTube and be like, okay, this card's down 25.44%. It's a buying opportunity. You need to keep it in perspective of the actual market, the overall market. Like if you were buying stocks, right, and you have a stock that went down 20% and the S&P 500 was down 20%, you're not really doing bad. You follow what I'm saying? So like right. if you bought a stock and it was down 20% and the S&P was up 5%, you, you, it's a relative thing. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that. And in this particular instance, baseball is doing particularly poorly. Um, mainly, you know, there's a, this usually happens in a sport, which is everything's about hype. So as the seasons wind down and there's no more hype, the market price starts to go down. So people lose interest. So, you know, with Yelich, that may be as much the market as it is him. So the way that I would look at that, again, it's hard, and I apologize because I don't know uh, baseball as well, is I would look at somebody who you think has had an alternative uh, year to that, like who had a big year that you don't think is sustainable. A big year that might not be sustainable. Um, yeah, I mean, you could look right to Randy or Rosarena, you know, hitting – bombs and the win the world series seemingly out of nowhere and and maybe you know maybe he uh maybe maybe he had too good of a year in his in his first you know touch of the mlb the, the problem there is i have no idea how to spell his name but that's a, a let me let me find it here randy oh there we go all right let's see here and the, the, there's another bias that you'll find is that like the the younger the player the more there is like an over exuberance, right? Right. And they're they're only tracking one card, um, and it's it's not that much. It's uh, you know it peaked around the World Series at about 188, and it's down to 77.50. So he because, got arrested in Mexico too, I think. There you go. Um, and, and you kind of need to look at. You can't look at a uh, a rookie, you know, a guy who's its first year versus a guy who's in his seventh year. Right. You don't compare right. from my world of basketball. You don't compare Zion to um, Kawhi. Right. Um, just because you're not it's not quite apples to apples. And I think people have this tendency on on rookies to build the hype up. So um, and, and that's that's part of the problem is that I at least that I see, which is um if you look at uh, a player like Randy Rosen, I, I know, again, I don't know. Uh, I don't know baseball really as well. So it's hard for me. The only name that I knew this year was Luis, Luis Robert. Yeah. Uh, Lou Bob. And, um, you know, he's his rookie, his Bowman or whatever, peaked uh, like around $318. And right now it's trading at 160. So that's off 50%. And, now, I just said it was $160. Now, we talked about Kristen Yelich. His card was half that, right? Or, or no, they're about the same price. So, you know, uh, Lupa, they're, they're almost identically priced. 
uh, Yelich and and Luis Robert for the rookie in the same grade. So that doesn't that strike you as odd? A guy who's already won an MVP is priced the same as a guy who's a rookie. Yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah, I think I think that is weird. Well, that's that's part of the dynamic that you have to learn is that people buy on upside and not on not so much on past performance. So that's that's and I think that that's where you get into the idea of that's where you can make a lot of money and that's where you can lose a lot of money because they call it prospecting, which is, oh, this guy could be the next thing. Um, I, I you this happens in in every sport it's it's like whose card should be worth more a um a patrick mahomes or uh a tom brady right um right not that i i mean i think patrick mahomes is amazing but tom brady's won six super bowls and because of the the madness um you know you there are some mahomes cards that are worth more okay um Let's see what what else. Let, let me let, let me explain some other things to you. So, okay, let's say you want to uh, buy a pack of cards, right? What would you do? Probably, you know, go online and and see where they're available. Okay, I mean that's that's reasonable. Would you? Um, you wouldn't go to Target or Walmart. I would probably I would probably check online to see if they had them first, and then I guess I could go. Uh, go hunting for him at, at, at a retail location. Yeah. And clearly I'm fishing. I'm trying to lead you to the water here, which is, right. is just for those, those who don't know is that it used to be that target and Walmart had cards and um, you would go and you just buy them and you'd open them. Uh, what's happened with this craze is that uh, flippers go, they wait for the deliveries, they buy everything in stock and then they resell it on eBay. So, um, you know, you can't really buy it at stores. Base again, baseball's a little different. You know, baseball you sometimes can get. Like if you go to a store right now, you might actually see some baseball. Um, but basketball and football, it, it I can almost guarantee you, if you went if you're walking through a Target right now or Walmart and you see basketball cards on the shelf and they're new, um, you know, last year or two, if you bought them, you could immediately sell them for at least a fifty percent profit on eBay. So um so, that, so that's a, that's a call to action there. I, I think I gotta. I think I gotta go. Right. Well, that's a whole different thing. You can watch videos on on YouTube about people who have strategies. They. This is how crazy it's gotten. People go and they take pictures of the shelves. They go every day and they take pictures of the shelves so they can figure out when it gets refilled and then they'll wait. Um, because if you get there, let's just say, okay, so Prism Football came out last week. Um, if you could go and buy 10 mega boxes, I think they cost like, uh, so there's, there's basically, I think like, let's just say there are three normal products you get at a Walmart or a target, uh, a cello pack, which is like a pack costs like six bucks, a blaster box, which is 20 bucks that comes with like six or eight packs in it. And then a mega box that comes with like 12 packs, but it also like guarantees an autograph and that's $40. Okay. So you got eight, 20 and 40. Um, with prison football, the $8 is selling for thirties. Uh, the $20 is selling for a hundred and the $40 is selling for 200. So you're talking about like five X on your money right now on that, on that product. So, you know, you know, it sounds like, okay, I'm going to target Walmart, right. To, to do that. Right. Yeah. But the issue is, is that there are, you know, a bunch of people who have turned this into a systematic thing um of knowing and uh and 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 being there literally they're literally waiting in the aisle for the people and it's gotten to a point where the distributors have to take a picture of their phone to show they put it on the shelves and that they didn't like you know sell it to somebody out the back door um you know or, or deliver it to yeah a i was just gonna say I, I gotta you know i gotta look through the phone and see if you know anyone that works at target or walmart right exactly i mean are you you know there again there are millions i i haven't uh, uh, I haven't, uh, really tried to do it. I mean, I'll go a couple times here and there to a target or Walmart. I've found a few little things, but it's just, uh, unless you're going to do it full time, it's like, it almost doesn't, doesn't pay. So, um, 
now the, the, this is the delicate down balance. So, you know, you're younger, I'm older. In the late 80s, early 90s, there was an era called junk wax. Have you ever heard of this? No. Okay, so junk wax was like baseball cards were huge in the 80s, and it's Fleer tops, upper deck, and they're just like, all right, well, if they're going to buy everything we sell, we're just going to keep printing. So they printed like 10 times as many uh, in 1990 as they did in 1986. So the scarcity of it disappeared and they basically ruined the industry because, you know, what was sought after, you know, it was a very similar situation to right now. You know, it wasn't as sophisticated because the Internet didn't exist, but there were people waiting outside of, you know, uh, pharmacies and wherever to buy boxes because they could immediately resell them for more money. And the companies who made them were like, hey, we're just printing paper. It's like we're printing money. Um, so it ruined it, like totally crushed the industry for at least a decade. Um, and, and really, honestly, almost till now, almost tw like 25 years since there's been another boom. So a lot of people question, how do they avoid doing this now? Um, if you owned a company that was literally pr essentially printing money, would, what would you do? Well, I mean, I, I mean that's that's kind of basic supply and demand, right? They they increased the uh, the supply too much and demand went down. Exactly, and and I think that they've learned from this, but um, y you know, they're just playing new games. So, like before in the in the nineties or whatever eighties, there weren't nearly as many products. Let's just say you know, Tops put out really one or two baseball products a year, you know, one basketball. I mean, uh, basketball grew to a base at like three. In the early 90s, they started to put out, you know, once this, the way they reacted to it was, okay, let's not put out a million boxes of tops. We'll make tops, tops chrome, tops whatever, um, stadium club. And so they, they made it like a few different versions, one premium, one whatever, and that's how they they uh, originally did. So you went from having, you know, again, in 1980 in baseball, there was one card. It was Topps. 81, Don Russ and, and Fleer came in. So you had two um, into the early 90s. So if you had a whatever, I'm trying to think, like a Frank Thomas rookie, there might be 10 different Frank Thomas rookies versus one Ricky Henderson rookie. Um, okay. Right. You, you're following the chronology. Yeah. yeah. So – so that, that again, I know I'm talking a lot. I'm I'm just so like just feel free to to pepper me with any questions. Um, I, I'm leading kind of this the idea of where they, they you know they're how they're trying to play this game now. So nowadays, uh, I mentioned this to you before. I was listening to a podcast and a guy collected Jay Crowder, basketball player. Not in I don't want to say not any good, but certainly not an all star starter. Last season, there were 321 different Jay Crowder cards. That's a lot. Right. So they're playing different games now. Um, so instead of, and to me, a lot of this has to do with technology. You know, 25, 30 years ago, it was a printing press. It looked like, you know, like it was like newspapers, these giant machines that, you know, it, it cost a ton of money to set up. So you had to print one thing. Now it's these high-tech printers that can print, you know, short amounts of stuff. So what they've gone to now is uh, what they call their parallels and serial numbers. So let's say you're talking about Prism before. Okay, so Prism has, um, you know, let's just look at uh, Luka Doncic rookies. Uh, so there's the base prism right which is like kind of just looks a little silvery um uh and then and then there's you know there's it, it's like a no reflection looks like kind of a little bit like a mirror and then there's luka Doncic silver which is actually really shiny and then there's pink and then there's uh camouflage and then there's so there are all these different um versions of it um so that you can basically create scarcity when there really isn't any. So you follow what, what, I'm, what right. I'm going at? And then are, are then all those, like all those boxes, I guess, are, are, are available at different, 
like in different amounts is basically what you're saying, right? No, but that's this is just inside of Prism, right? So okay. this is like just like inside. So what they, I mean, what they will do is, um, is uh, like okay, the green ones are only available at Target in the Target boxes, and the red ones are only available in you know at, at Walmart, and this other one is only available from local card stores. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're basically, I'm trying to look it up. I apologize while I'm, you know, I'm doing this cause I'm trying to get the list of, of all the different parallels and, okay. So here, let's see. So there's, so I'm looking at 2019, 2020 basketball prism. There's Dominance, dominance green, dominant silver, emergent, emergent green, emergent silver, far out, far out black, far out fast break, far out gold, far out hyper, far out mojo, far out silver. So they're they're literally, it looks like about a hundred different variations on cards. And then the parallels, there are prism black, black gold, blue, blue. I mean it's insanity. So it's a way for them to overprint. And without giving people, with people still feeling like they have some form of rarity. So there's different stuff to collect. Yes. So like you said, 321 J Crowder cards. Right. So I think a good question, I guess, would be where, like, so where, where do you find a list of this stuff? Like, how do you know what you're looking for? Or, you know, when, when, when you never heard of it before, how do you know? you know, what's the difference between black and pink and whatever. And if it's, if it is player specific, is there a place that you can at least like just to see the different options there are? Okay. The place that I go is there's, it's, it's tcdb.com. So trading card database.com. It's looks like a, a website from 1989. It's so poorly designed, but the info is all there. Um, and then there might be better ones out there. And, and that's, this is just a, kind of a gathering of, of, you know, like the cards so that you can, you know, you go to the, the set and then you look at, um, and then it, you, you can click on something that says, you can see the rookies in the set. You can see the hall of famers in a set. You can see, uh, the inserts or the related stuff. And that's, it's helpful, especially if you're buying older stuff. Um, you know, like I'm, I'll buy stuff from, I, I buy a lot of stuff from, I, I collect Russell Westbrook, so I'll buy a lot of stuff from 2008. And I, and sometimes I won't even know what is going to be in that set outside of the standard stuff. So I go there and like, oh, okay. Um, you know, some of the big stuff that they've included as inserts are what they call memorabilia and autographs. Meaning usually it's a a jersey piece and then an auto, or an autograph from a player. So it's just another way of them creating these scarce items that I'm not so sure are scarce. Right. So, um, let me, you know, so you, you get my point. It's like, you understand math. They're like permutations. It's like, okay, well, if you have autograph memorabilia and then you mix the two and then you have a hundred different parallels, you're creating like an infinite number of options. And then the market decides what, what is, uh, you know, what is valuable. And, it's, it's, you know, it's a little, like, it doesn't follow what I would call traditional supply and demand because they're subverting this by not making it easy to understand how many there are of a specific thing. So, okay. Um, let's, if you could, try to stick to football and basketball because I really sure. just don't know baseball enough and I apologize for that. And I'd just be misleading you. But if you give me two players, you're like, okay, I'm thinking, you know, I would consider buying, you know, it, it could be new, could be old, whatever. Uh, you know, if I was buying one of these two players, how would you, what would you think about it? How would you look at it? So like, you know, kind of going what you were saying before, like players that maybe are, could be underrated. Mm -hmm. uh, so, whatever, whatever, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever. The first one that would come to mind would be Shy Gilgis Alexander. Okay. Okay. So Shay, you know, again, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right or you're pronouncing it right. Uh, I call him Shay Gilgis Alexander. So Shay's rookie was 
2018, right? Or is it 2018 or 2019? I think 20, 28, you know, years get mixed up because it, it spans. Um, right. I think uh, it was 18. Yeah, he, he's the same class as, as Luca, right? I believe so. Okay. So what I would say is, um, you know, I, I love Shea. I think he's a, he's a great player. Now, before we go into Shea himself, this is, I purposely avoid the last three years. So I avoid, um, and I'll tell you why, I avoid the Zion Ja class, the Luca Trey class, and the uh, Tatum Donovan Mitchell class. Okay, and I'll tell you why not. It's not because I have, don't don't think highly of any of those players. I think they're all amazing, and I you know especially Luca. Uh, I'm totally sold on Luca, and I also love Shea. So okay, I mentioned grading before, right? So grading, what grading is is that you get a card, and you and I need to agree on how good the quality of the card is. How well is it centered? Are there nicks on the edges? Uh, is there a scratch on it? Is it you know how well does it look, right? So right. we need a way to commoditize that. There are a few companies that do this, uh, Beckett, SGC, and PSA. PSA is right now considered the gold standard. Okay, so you, you send your card into PSA. Right now there's a huge backlog of, you know, it takes up to, you know, a normal card submission will take up to six months, cost you around, let's just say, 15 to $20. Um, so I, I know this sounds a little off topic, um, but the reason I'm saying this is that uh, PSA, again, the biggest one of these companies right now, releases what they call a population report. So it tells you how many Luka Doncic uh, Prism rookies they've had processed through their system. You follow? So, like, right. you, it's, it's an ability to kind of get a, a, a semblance of scarcity or rarity. Um, so in their system, in the in last year, which is John Zion, they they graded 480,000 cards okay we have no frame of reference sounds like a lot lucas class 310,000 so that's a huge jump it's over a 50 percent jump okay you go back one more year 132,000 so in the past two years they've seen it grow they've seen it triple basically the number of cards that are graded so there's there's a ton of cards from those years exactly now we only have that frame of reference Let's go back and look at, okay, how about 2012, which is the year of Kawhi, Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving. It was a huge year. Okay, so again, right now we're talking about 480,000 cards in this past year. That year, 39,000. So you're talking about 15 times or not 12 wow. times as many, right? Right. So, so the year you're talking about with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 310,000 cards. So that's why I personally avoid those years. So again, do I like Shea? And this is when we talked about at the beginning, investing, flipping, whatever. So if you, it, with Shea, if you were like, hey, I'm going to buy him before the season and, um, and I'm going to flip him when he does well, that's fine. But it, to me, any of the, uh, these cards as, uh, as a long-term hold, I think is could be a disaster. You follow what I mean? Like I think when the market catches up to uh, to to when people realize how much there is out there, um, how much supply there is, uh, I think you know it's going to drop the prices just by the nature of that. Right, just because of the the amount that there are, right. Right. I mean, it seems crazy, right? That you went with, it's up 10 X in the, uh, in, in, in eight years. So anyway, we'll go back to, so I give you the, my baseline of why I long-term investment, I avoid these three years. I just don't think that, you know, there, of course there'll be outliers and things that you can buy, but I think, you know, on the whole. Okay. So we look at Shea Gilgis Alexander at the end of the bubble, his prism ungraded card, uh, they call that raw. That means it hasn't been sent. It was selling for $23. And right now it's up to $40. So it's up, you know, whatever, what's that, 60% uh, in that period of time, like 67%. So it's already seen a rise. This is kind of like the opposite of what when we were talking about uh, basketball 
Um, so, I mean, with, with Shea, again, his price has gone up. We're talking about how baseball, after the, after the season, the, the prices go down. Before basketball season, the prices naturally go up. Right. So probably should have been buying weeks ago. But, of course, that's easy to say as you see it up going up. But if he has a real season, he makes an all-star team, that, that price could easily, you know, triple, right? So I, I always like to think about who do you think he'll become? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're like, hey, I think he could be seen as as good as Trey, right? So right. if you look at a, you know, a, a Trey Young, uh, let's see if they even have the raw in here. So again, you know, you, you always want to be comparing apples to apples because they, again, there are a million uh, different uh, you know options out there. So if you're not comparing apples to apple, apples, you're probably gonna get beat pretty bad. So let's just say a tray is is going for about uh, three hundred. In the same thing, so um, let's see here. Six now can't be six sixty. Let me go back for a second. I apologize. Just taking me. Okay, so so right now um, for PSA ten Prism, Shay is about three fifty, and Trey is about seven hundred. So I think that that if you're saying, hey, I think that's where he ends up um, with Trey. Uh, then you're looking at a possibility of a double. You know, you, you could double your money. Um, so that's, again, it's like with these newer guys, a lot of the hype is priced in. Right. It, you know, so like, it, although I agree with you that Che is underrated, I don't think he's underpriced. You follow? Yeah. Um, and, you know, so me, um, if I, I just bought some some newer players, I'm guys who are further out of the the kind of the discussion like a Darius Garland or a Wendell Carter Jr. where I know they have the skills and I'm not really sure whether they're gonna uh, you know live up to their skills but you can buy prism Darius Garland's for five bucks right and right. they could be worth a couple hundred and at the end of the season is he really gonna be valueless Probably not. So, I mean, if, you know, what the, 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 the law side. So I, I, I almost feel like if you're going to play the modern stuff, you either have to play the super expensive rare stuff or the kind of, out, you know, out of the money <laughs> type options where right. you think maybe I'm going to hit a home run. Um, yeah, I mean, I think what you're saying just now is, is pretty comparable to, to the, sports, the sports betting market. Because, you know, you can have a team like the the Thunder that's, you know, underrated by mainstream media all season long. But, you know, after the Thunder start to, you know, have a better record against the spread, the books adjust for that. They adjust for that much faster than the mainstream media does. So while, you know, you, we might still think the Thunder were underrated last year, you know, by the time the, the middle of the end of the season came about, you know, their their spreads were accounting for that, even though, you know, we were still talking about them like they were underdogs. The spreads on their individualized games were accounting for their success. So I think that's pretty similar to like, you know, how we might still think of a player as under. But, you know, perhaps the market is pricing that in. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the way because, you know, I do sports betting as well. I think the futures markets in sports often don't necessarily price that in. Um, because they're more retail, meaning like you brought up Oklahoma. Like I took Oklahoma at a hundred to one, uh, to win the championship. I was like, they are not, you know, I don't think they're going to win, but I don't think they're a hundred to one. Right. Right. It was, it was a type of team that, you know, anybody could have caught fire. Um, you know, my picks, my, uh, picks for the, bu the bubble were actually, um, Denver and uh, again, these are all I lost every one of them, uh, <laughs> but Denver and uh, Oklahoma City. And then in the east, I grouped uh, not Philadelphia, Boston, uh, Miami and one other. I forget whoever it was, I, it was like the anti Milwaukee pick. Um, 
that's what so, I did. That's what I did with Boston. I, I had a lot. I I just I had a lot going for Boston. You know, basically saying that the Bucks are not going to make it out of the second round, and uh, you know Boston didn't end up getting there. But I ended up putting on them for the for the chip and as well as winning the Eastern Conference. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I would I I didn't bet the Eastern Conference because I didn't think the the odds would work out like you could hedge better than betting the Eastern Conference. So I took the. Um, uh, you know, I, I just took the to win the championship. I'm trying to think of it. It wasn't Indiana. Um, it was Toronto. So I took Toronto, right. Miami. And I took them at eight to one to win the championship. It's basically a combined bet at eight to one on those three teams. It was like, uh, I love that. So, you know, I was able to hedge out and make a little money, but nothing came in. But that's kind of the, the you know, the, the same way you look at this, which is like, um, you know, futures bets, people are, are, are are more retail, whereas the lines are more, um, you know, uh, people that are that are honed in here. Um, so I, 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 you know, when I'm talking to somebody, like I talk to a few people around your age who are getting into sport cards, sports cards, and I, I don't know if I have the same perspective as somebody your age is. Like, there are tons of guys making tons of money in sports cards, just flipping and ripping, you know, something. Um, especially people who buy it, what they call raw, where it's ungraded, send it in, get it graded, and and make money. And to give you an example, like we we're just talking about Shea Gilgis Alexander, his raw card prism, right? You can buy one for forty dollars right now, ungraded. If you send it into PSA, it comes back a ten. You could sell it for three hundred and seventy dollars. So that's like a ten x. And if you're paying twenty right. bucks for it, hey, you're in it for sixty. You're getting three seventy. Who doesn't want to do that all day? Right. You know, you follow. So um, that's a lot of the game. The problem is with PSA right now, the backlog is six months long. It could, you can pay for faster. Um, but obviously, but um, but there's another thing. Okay, comes back a nine. And nine's only worth $87. So again, still making a profit. You're making 27 bucks on your $60 investment. I mean, you know, there are other costs. Um, but let's just assume that. And if it comes back at eight, it's basically worth the same thing you did. And you're, you're probably going to maybe break even, maybe lose a little bit of money. Um, so that's the game that a lot of people are playing. Buy them, grade them, resell them. Um, but that's why that population number keeps rising. And, you know, I was mentioning earlier about how, you know, it's it's gone up 300% in the last three years. And it's up, you know, 12x in the last eight years. There are 2 million cards sitting at PSA right now. 2 million. So, you know, that's that's my that's why I'm saying like you want to go this right now and then sell it in 2 months. I think that's a great move. Um there are, well not a great move, but I think there it's a good move. Um I think there might be some better ones and and maybe I'm not the perfect guy for these uh type of moves cuz I think from an investment perspective, I just think there are better moves, right? Right. Um, so then, and, so then, what are what are those moves then? I mean, listen. If I knew, if I first of all, anybody who tells you how to make money is a liar, right? If I really knew, I'd just be doing it, and I wouldn't be telling anybody. Um, I, I think some of this, assuming the hobby is going to keep growing, right? I think buying some of the older players. Uh, certainly, you know, vintage is is something you're not going to lose money on. So if you know how to buy players who are tired, um, you know, you can buy a Tim Duncan rookie for $30. That doesn't make any sense to me, right? right. Um, so, like, I, you want to buy a Tim Duncan rookie? Yeah, you're not going to turn 30 into 3,000. Um, but you're going to turn 30 into 60 in the next, you know, at some point in the next year, you'll probably be able to turn 30 into 60. And if you, again, if you could do that your whole life, um, turning your whole fortune over uh, and doubling it every year, you'll get very, very rich fast. Um, but that's that's the problem. Um, so those are, those are the type of cards that, that I think are, from an investment perspective, are hard to lose on. Um, you know, uh, Durant, uh, I, I'm, Durant has gotten a huge run up. I think there was a time where you could buy a lot of Durant. And, and do well. Um, I think LeBron has kind of gone a little bit crazy. You know, it, that's why I'm saying it's like, you have to decide what you want to do. Do you want to, you know, 
listen, if you buy a card for $30 and in a year or so for 60, you made 30 bucks, right? Right. Um, if you buy a card for 30 and sell it for three in a month and then so buy a card for 33 and sell for 36 the next month and 39 the next month and whatever, you actually end up with more money at the end of the year. So you make more than I would by doubling. You follow? So some people are just like, hey, I'll just make 10% and just churn, 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 churn. That's a that's a different model. So like that might, that very well may work uh, really well on things like a Shea where you're like, hey, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not waiting for it to double. I'm just going to get it and flip it. So like you, you have to understand what you want to do. Um, I don't want to be buying and selling cards by the hundreds every day. Uh, I, I'd rather look at it over a period of time. Um, but I, I, you know, you have to decide what you want. Like for me, I don't really sell a lot these days because I think I buy really smart and I like most of the stuff I buy and I'll only sell it if, um, you know, I think the prices get out of control or I just don't want it. You, you follow? So um, I, I know you and I talked about you going out and buying a, a right. box of cards. Have you had a chance to go out and buy a box of cards yet? I, I, I got some baseball cards because they that was the only one that they had. I think I just wanted to open the pack up, but I was looking I was looking for some basketball ones. How how did how did how did it go when you bought the cards and uh, opened them up? Oh, I felt I, I felt like a I felt like a kid again, which was which was cool. I mean, to you, I'm probably still a kid. Um, but but yeah, no, it was it it was it was fun to do. It was fun to look at what I had, but then I was you know kind of had that feeling of well. You know, I don't I don't really know exactly what I'm looking at. Like I know the players, obviously. I know, you know, who's good and who's not, but I don't know what I'm looking at in terms of value. It's hard. I mean, the easiest way with value is to, is to just go into eBay, right? And just search. And that's that's the simplest thing. I know when you and I first spoke about it, you sent me some cards you had from your youth, and I would like uh um, you know, I'd give you the eBay prices. There's another tool called 130.130point.com. Um, where it lets you search past eBay sales. And mm -hmm. so, you know, because you can go on eBay and you can look at a Verlander rookie and it's like, oh, somebody's trying to sell it for 500 bucks. And you're like, oh, okay, well, the last 20 of them sold for $8 a piece. So just because somebody's on eBay trying to sell it for a price doesn't mean that's what it's worth. It's far, it's far better to um, look at what they've sold for than what they're selling for to get a value. Right. Um, the hardest part, though, is really knowing when you get something that is abnormal, like you're opening a pack and suddenly something is purple instead of everything else is silver, right? And you're like, I don't know what the hell this is. Um, and then trying to discern uh, what the differentiation is and how much more value that is. And uh, we talked about how they add in memorabilia cards and autograph cards. The other thing they do is serial number cards. So like they'll put in that purple card and then on it is stamped you know, 27 out of 100, meaning they only made 100 of them, and this is the 27th one. Um, and those have additional value. So it's, in my opinion, they've almost purposely made it hard to learn what the value is because then it distorts their, uh, how much they're printing. So, um, but uh, did you... The, the the sensation went away, the positive sensation when you were like, I don't know if I got anything good or, you know, how how could you solve that? Or was it like something you're like, I don't want to solve this? Oh, I think, um, you know, the the first thing to know is like, well, what's what's special in here? Like like you said, like some of these cards look different, but, you know, do they look different because they're like, you know, a, a throw in that doesn't mean anything or do they look different because they have more value than the other cards? Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I understand. So, okay. So that's it's a good, good thought process, which is how to get the most out of opening a box, right? So right. we're opening a pack. Um, I think before you open it, you should know what you're looking for because it doesn't help after the fact, right? If you find out after the fact that that card was worth a lot of money, it doesn't have the same sensation as, oh my God, I got the card that's worth a lot of money, right? Right. It's, 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 it's just, it's like waking up the next day and finding out you want to bet versus sweating it and watching it, right? It's just not the same thing. Um, so, you know, I would 
research it on like the the trading card database look at what the parallels are and then i always what i'll do is i'll you know if you're opening 2020 bowman chrome I don't, again i don't know baseball you, you throw that into ebay i take 2020 bowman chrome and then rookie right and then i sort for highest prices so now i'm looking for the most expensive card out of that set and that'll give you a sense of oh okay this purple one here this autograph one here or this other one. So, you, you know, you can look by what people are trying to sell it for or sold for. Um, the other thing that I really enjoy doing is that on YouTube, you know, people are breaking boxes both for business um, and for fun. And they record them. So one, I love to watch somebody open a box and then I'll go because they'll talk about it. They'll be like, we're looking for the blue Pulsar Zion. Right. right. And now, you know, and um and then you can open your own box and look at it. So I do think doing a little research beforehand is uh, is a good idea. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that's again, that goes back to the other questions of like, well, you know, where do you look to look for those types of things? And then, you know, when you when you see cards that are shinier than the other ones, you know, do you, you know, how do you judge what what's good about them, I guess? Yeah, I, I, again, you have to look, know what you're opening first. Like, you have to know the year, you have to know the set, and then you can right. look it up on the internet, you can look it up on eBay. I mean, I had a situation a few weeks ago where I was opening, uh, so this is how crazy it is, I was opening 2020 Prism Draft Picks Basketball. So they basically get the guys from the draft, they're, they're in their college or whatever uniforms, and they make a set out of them, right? Um, there are actually a few different sets. There's contenders and... So I'm opening it up, and um, I pull out, like, a Zion. And I'm like, uh, well, I, don't, I mean, Zion's a good player, but I'm like, this is next year, so I don't want a second-year Zion. Um, you know, I want LaMelo, I want Wiseman, I want uh, it was Anthony Edwards or whoever, if, that's, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Um, and then I looked it up, and I was like, this was, it was the most expensive card I've ever pulled out of the pack. And I was like, oh, shit. And I wish I had known beforehand because I would have been way more excited. Um, but, uh, you know, even, you know, when you know, you don't know. So it's like, uh, it, it, it's hard um, to know everything. That's why, again, I like the idea of watching people open the boxes on YouTube and and then you'll, you'll get a sense in a, in, in a few minutes. Um, because, you know, you, you have to kind of glom off other people's knowledge. And even looking it up on the internet, like it's hard to know the difference between the value of a purple and a red and a and all this other stuff. Um, like I'm uh, so I'm I am a Russell Westbrook collector, right? I have a dog named Russell. He passed away. I decided to he was named after Russell Westbrook. I'm gonna buy every Russell Westbrook I can find. I have way too many. I have sixty plus rookies few hundred cards and i bought these all in the last few months um i happen to love a set called tops treasury 2008 they look like money and i just love the set and i and i learned more and more about them i bought some i i overpaid and i found oh you know there's a bronze one that's out of a thousand there's a silver one out of 200 there's a gold one out of 50 then there's a gold medallion one out of 19 and then there's a super gold medallion that's one out of one there's only one of them right so that's like the holy grail so that, that's um, an example of like the difference between collecting and flipping. Correct. Because I won't sell these cards. Like right. I won't. And, and here's a perfect example. So this is my favorite set ever. My favorite player of all time. Who has incredible meaning to me. And the one of one just came on sale. So like there is only one of the super gold medallion came on sale. One of one uh, came on sale yesterday. And I don't know what to pay for it. Because there's no real comparables to it. Um, I mean, I know what I paid for kind of like, hey, the ones leading up to this that are slightly more, slightly less rare, slightly less rare. And um, the other, but there's part of me that's like, um, I mean, I don't have an unlimited pockets. I mean, the, the minimum bid was $500, right? Which is right. more than any card I've, I've purchased to date. Um, and I don't know what to pay for it. Um, and I'm, I've been actually trying to message people in the industry that, that, that I've listened to their podcasts, things like that, to try to get a sense of how to even price this out. And I don't know. Um, uh, I know in this circumstance, I'm pretty sure I should just buy it. If it's under, say, two or 3,000, 
I'm pretty sure I should just buy it. And I know that sounds, I'm just talking, I'm literally talking this out loud because I just had to talk to myself about it. Um, you know, this is the ultimate of ultimates for my card collection. And it will, it may never go on sale again. If somebody else buys it, they may never sell it. So this may be my only chance to get it. Um, so you have, you have to be able to recognize when, when stuff is, you know, like you said, it's not going to pop, pop up again, or, or perhaps you're not going to get this type of price ever again. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and then the, the knowledge base is so important. Like if you want to make money, that's where the, that's where it comes in. Like, I because I collect Russell Westbrook, I know 2008 incredibly well. Um, I'm still learning stuff every day, but I buy other cards from 2008 all the time because I know how rare they are, or how underpriced they are. Um, you know, I, I bought a, a LeBron last week for like eight bucks. It's a $200 card because people didn't understand that it's uh, 50 times as rare as the standard card. And I may not be able to sell it tomorrow for 200. But I could probably sell it tomorrow for 50. And, and that's where knowledge comes into play. And the other thing I do is I have like uh, memorized eBay searches. So like it'll show me every new uh, card from this specific set that was listed today. And, you know, this way you can kind of beat other people to the punch. Um, and, and that's I mean, that's how I am finding the way to build equity. Um, I know most people aren't going to want to put in that type of time. They don't have the passion for a particular player. I mean, I'm driven by something beyond just money um, in this perspective. And I think that, that that might be something people should look for. So try to find a way to be driven a little by a little something else other than money because it will help you find a niche. Like if, you're, if you're just looking for money, you're going to be chasing the same exact thing that everybody else is chasing. Right. Uh, you know, so um, – and the other thing I'll mention about we talked about going on the internet and finding out is like so these days you know we were talking about retail you can't get retail what people do now is like they have what they call break rooms or break uh, things so where somebody goes out and buys a box and then they let you buy into a share of the box and then you watch them open it and you get your cards um, you can either buy a pack or the big thing now is like um, they're opening a box and you get a team so you'll get the Knicks and any Knicks cards that come out of it. They're yours, and you pay a certain fee for it. So it's just another way to get involved in the hobby. And that might be something that you might want to consider um, giving a try to learn. And again, pay as little as possible to get in initially um, because you're going to make mistakes, and you're better off making small mistakes to start. You may miss some opportunities, but you're far more likely to avoid big mistakes than big opportunities. Yeah, well, I've 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 only spent about thirty bucks just getting my getting my fix in at this point. So hopefully, uh, we start making some better moves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I like I'm trying. I know this is like getting a drink from a fire hose right now because I'm trying to give you uh, a large accumulation of knowledge in a short period of time. Um, right. So, what would be your next move for like listening to everything I said? Is it would you have a next move? Um, you know, how would you think you would proceed? And you know, getting involved. Um, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. I think I. I don't know. Uh, hey, man, again, I'm putting you on the spot again. If you're like, hey, I have to think about it, and um, you know, what I'd say is like, you have to have a set budget. It's like not. Um, everybody has different financial options, and um, if I had if. Again, if you decide, hey, this is something I want to learn how to make money off of, flip, invest, um, what I definitely recommend is buying something you know, cheap, do, do some cheap experimentations, but set up your eBay account to sell, okay? Right. And make sure you can sell a card. Um, th that's, that's important. And I think that's a big part of what people miss is they think, oh, I can just buy the cards. Buying cards is very easy. Selling cards is a little more complicated. You know, you not, not it's not really that complicated, but I think it's one of those things that you should know the process and understand it, and it'll make you better at the entire game. Um, you'll understand, like, oh, there are fees involved. So I got to pay eBay 10%. And, uh, oh, shipping. How does shipping work? And, um, and all those other things. And it's, it's not hyper complicated. It's very streamlined by eBay. You can set it up with a PayPal account, but I just think it's an important part of 
of of the process that a lot of people to just forget that um you you know a card isn't just worth a value it has to actually go through a transaction right and then you know that that kind of stuff like goes into your margin you know when you're when you're i guess you're calculating how much you're going to make like if you have to grade it you have to you know give ebay a cut or whatever um you know those are stuff that you have to know before you before you decide even on on buying it right exactly and on top of that there's all you know oh okay well oh yeah i forgot i gotta buy you know envelopes how do i package the card how do i you know it's just all these little things that you know not for just the money there's time perspective of oh okay well can i put this in my mailbox or do i have to drive this over to the post office you know what i mean like time is money money is time like all these things go into play that's why i really recommend somebody just sell a card like even if you i don't even care so much how much money it's for you like um obviously you always would prefer to make a profit but having that experience um makes you see the world in an entirely different way uh, you know i think then you'll start going oh, okay well maybe i should you know sending one card is a giant pain in the ass uh, maybe i should sell cards five at a time and you go oh okay um well a lot of people are selling cards five at a time Maybe I can get a big discount by buying them five at a time. And that's like, so your thought process, like I can, you know, you can lead a horse to water, we can't make them drink. It's like, that's why I'm saying, watch YouTube videos, sell a card, all these things, because your mind will start clicking. You know what I mean? Right. And, um, you know, I, and the, the drink from the fire hose that you're taking right now will make a lot more sense. And um, trying to learn everything is impossible. And, and, um, and you know that's what i would uh you know relate to people is is that man there's there's so much this there's so much complexity and make your make small mistakes learn the process and um you know don't believe that you're smarter than everybody else um you, you know it, it, to a level that um you're going to be able to monetize immediately and significantly and if 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 that happens, it's more likely luck than anything else. Yeah, I think that's a good starting point is like, you know, trying to understand, uh, trying to understand where what you're looking for before you, you know, before you look for it. And I think that like the start to finish process of of, you know, buying and selling something, if, if that's what you're in for, which I think it would be what I what I would be in for is um, is kind of flipping this stuff. And, and you know, perhaps you know, through flipping in, if I have a, a love for it, you know, at that point, you know, you can look into collecting, but, um, I think probably flipping would be a good start. And, um, yeah, I, just, I, I would definitely look to try and understand the start to finish of selling something so I can, you know, find which ones are best. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to, to, to take this full circle back to the Yelich, right. You were talking right. about Christian Yelich. It's like, what you do is you go on and you look at Christian Yelich, you type in Christian Yelich rookies in eBay, and then you go into also into 130 point and uh, look at what has sold, type the same thing, do the same thing on card ladder. Now you got a sense of the landscape. And now you set up a, a save search that every day you're seeing the new yellow rookies. And you go, okay, I'm targeting one of these five cards and this is the price I want to pay. Right. And, and then that's how I would go about it. And then you say to yourself, okay, we talked about like almost the seasonality of, uh of of cards like you know as the season ends they go down and as the season begins they go up so you know baseball probably hasn't hit its low point um so but you can look for it to kind of be uh bottoming out around like say the first of the year or you know before pitchers and catchers you know what i mean before people start talking about pitchers and catchers so you can go okay over the next two months I'm going to grab a Yelich rookie or two, and then I'm going to sell it, you know, April, May, right? Right. And, and, and even that in itself, just playing the seasonality of a, you know, assuming he doesn't get injured during that time, you'll probably be able to make money. And um, that, that's like, that's, again, with baseball, you could begin to be buying now, but I, um, you know, you, you wanted to buy basketball in like September. Right. And now it's, you know, you can still make some money, but I, and I, I don't know a ton about baseball, but yeah, like probably right after Christmas, beginning of the year before, like it's simple before the stories start coming on sports center about pitchers and catchers, 
uh, that's when you want to buy. Um, right. And, and, and the same, same goes for any sport. You want to buy Joe, Joe Burrow or whatever, or you know, whatever, wait till football's out of the news entirely. Uh, you know, whatever it is, March, April, May, buy football. And then, you know, you'll get that run up as, as people start talking about it when training camps open and all that other stuff. And um, so that's what my recommendation to you is pick a player, pick, uh, you know, baseball is your strong suit. And I think it's a good time to do some research in baseball, um, you know, uh, and if you want to open any baseball boxes or anything, go on YouTube first, type in whatever the hell it is you want, you're going to buy, watch somebody open it for 15 minutes. I'm telling you, it's still enjoyable. I know it sounds like it's not, but it still is. Um does that does it, what I'm saying make sense? Yeah, it sounds like I got some homework to do. Yeah, I mean, again, only do it if you enjoy it. Like, I love this shit. Like, it's the thrill of the hunt um, yeah. for me. Is is and that, that's what I think you'll see is like once you set a target on Yelich, you're like, oh shit, like that's the Yelich I like. Um, this is why, um, you know, and you you can just send me the information. I'll be like, okay, you know, you've narrowed it down. Here's the population port on Yelich rookies. You'd be like, so there's a lot of these. There's not a lot of those. Um, you know, that, that type of stuff. And, uh, so, I mean, I, again, I don't, I don't want to go on for too long. Are there yeah. any other, any other questions that I, you know, that I didn't answer or things that you think I should think about, um, in relation to this? I I know. I think this is a good starting point. I think for, for me to get, you know, to get started on a l- little assignment pretty much to, 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 to further, to further my knowledge to be able to make, you know, good decisions. I think that's, uh, I think that's a good starting point. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. And I think that as long as you keep your expectations reasonable, it's pretty easy to make money doing this. I think it's the people who think that they need to make two, three, four X that end up getting hurt and then also try to buy the upswings. Like right. They buy into the hype. Um, you know, you can definitely make money that way. So that's that's what I give as a parting shot is, is, is don't buy into the hype. Um you know, predict the hype like you're trying to do a Shea or Yelich or somebody like that, um, and and uh, look for the you know the sleepers that other people aren't necessarily thinking about, which usually is something that is a little bit older but not too old. It's like Goldilocks in the the thing. So, okay, perfect, Max. Well, I hope I hope I was able to give you some sort of introduction to the quote unquote hobby, um, and you can see how your sports analytics and sports betting knowledge can kind of play into the ability to make money in, uh, in sports cards. Yeah, absolutely. I think definitely, you know, we talked about a couple of things that are, you know, really applicable, really, really similar in terms of how you're approaching it as a market. And I think that's, you know, it's, it's good stuff for people who, who don't see sports betting or sports cards as a marketplace, as a, um, you know, you know, as a living and breathing entity almost where, you know, you, you're going against, you're going against, you know, more of a market than just, you know, picking what team is going to be good or, or what player is going to be good. Yeah, it's 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 a good cross section of of information. It's a it's a different set of skills than sports betting or fantasy, but it's almost like where the two come together. If you add in the you know the intersection of uh, of sports betting knowledge, fantasy knowledge, and then kind of like market knowledge, um, that's where you can make some money. So anyway, well, I'm glad we got to talk about this, and we'll hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about it again, maybe. We'll do some more stuff on the noise uh, uh, about sports cards, and hopefully people are interested, and then, you know, we'll see where it goes. Absolutely. Uh, 